Hello, friends, and before we hop into the show, I gotta tell you about The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. So get your phone out right now, go to their website, mygreensolution.com, order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online, and head to the closest green solution for pickup. And make sure you use the code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. That's mygreensolution.com, code DNVR20 for 20% off. All right, let's hop into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this snowy day in the Mile High City. I'm your host today, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason, who is fresh off a plane from not snowy Indianapolis, but of course we know the game and everything that followed after was as snowy and dreary as could be. But before I turn the floor over, to the smartest man in the room. I got to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee, which is the perfect thing for a snowy morning. Everyone needs that extra jolt in the morning when there's snow out, when it's cold. And so what do you do? You brew a hot cup of coffee with some CBD benefits in there, helps with all the aches and pains that come from shoveling, from the cold coming in, and it heats you up. So you get the great benefits of the CBD and you get the delicious hot cup of coffee and if you need some because you ran out and realized that snow is here for a while make sure you use the code DNVR20 to receive 20% off your purchase from Strava Craft Coffee and as they say drink deeply live fully all right mace the floor is yours ha ah, well let's drink deeply <laughs> Do we want the to? beverage, <laughs> the foul tasting beverage that was the Broncos 15 13 loss to the Colts? Broncos certainly aren't living fully, by the way. <laughs> they certainly aren't. Unless you're talking about living fully in what Emmanuel Sanders called the world of suck, <laughs> because they are, and they can't seem to find their way out of it. And even though you look at the margin of defeat last minute field goal and say well they came close when you have circumstances after the game like Joe Flacco taking his shots at the play calling of Rich Gangarello and I sort of look at that and say well Flacco may have a point but also does the play calling reflect the quality of play of Joe Flacco himself and the offensive line so maybe you can't blame Rich Gangarello for calling the plays that he does for being cautious. Now that said, third and five, my call there would have been quick pass to Cortland Sutton near the sideline. A lot more Cortland Sutton. Yes, and the reason being, yesterday he was targeted eight times. 
You had three that ended in penalties and automatic first downs. Yep. You had three more that ended in receptions. You were averaging 15 yards gained via either penalty or the pass every time you targeted Cortland Sutton. And 75% <laughs> of the time, you got a first down when you targeted Cortland Sutton. Mm, that seems like something a guy you want to target maybe 15 times. Or just, you know what? Don't target anyone else until it stops working. So what do you have a better shot with on third and five? A run to Philip Lindsay where they're stacking and prepared for that? Or a pass to Cortland Sutton where it might be incomplete. You also might get the flag on Rocky Yassin. He also might catch the ball and then game over. That, to me, based on what the Broncos' offense had shown, was a smart play. And you know, you may say, oh, well, the offensive line has struggled to pass protect. I'm talking about a ball that's out in two seconds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pure and, and simple. And this is a guy in, in Rocky scene who, after the game, Cortland Sutton said, bro couldn't guard me. And I know. So you're I almost <laughs> laughed right there because I was standing about three feet from Cortland when he said it. It was just... He was so blunt, but it was true. It, it was. And he couldn't guard him without cheating, it, literally. Exactly. And he they weren't afraid to call him for cheating and throw the yellow flag as they weren't afraid to throw the yellow flag at all yesterday. But so Cortland knew it, that he couldn't be he couldn't be stopped. Joe knew that he couldn't be stopped as he continued to say after the game. Did Rich not know? Yeah. Scangarello, by the way, I, I wrote about this in my piece, piece and I told you guys about it in, in text I don't know if I've seen a coach that looked more crushed after a loss and I've ridden with a fair amount of coaches and seen a fair amount of coaches waiting for the elevators in press boxes around the country over the years I don't know if I've ever seen one that looks so forlorn Mace, as he did that's back to back weeks where you saw Scangarello this week and just looked absolutely crushed the previous week, I saw Joe Ellis in the exact same situation taking the elevator down mm-hmm. after the game or with five minutes left when the Broncos are down 30-6 to six to the Kansas City Chiefs at home. He was absolutely crushed as well and really just speechless. Did, did, had nothing to say. You could tell it in his eyes. He was asked one question and, and didn't really respond because he was so <sighs> distraught. I I don't even know a a better word than just completely and utterly heartbroken almost and at a loss of where to go. That's back-to-back weeks where you have the offensive coordinator, the the second or third most most powerful coach on the team, absolutely just lost. And you have the person with the most power in the organization completely lost in back-to-back weeks. Well, I think it's a reminder to everybody that, yeah, as fans— it's understandable that you're angry, that you're pissed about the way things are. Sometimes I feel like there's a misperception in the public that says, okay, maybe the people in the organization don't care in the way that you do. You see something like that, and you know they care deeply, probably in, in right. some, some of them in a more profound way than any fan can ever know. I mean, it's not just... You know, it's, it's not just something you, where you want to go, well, it's your livelihood. For someone like Rich Gangrello, think about this. You know, he, this is his big shot. This is his big moment. This year and how he does could determine 
the course of the next 20, 25 years for Rich Gangarello, the rest of his career. Yeah. If he does well as the Broncos offensive coordinator, all of a sudden you're talking about him being a head coach someday. Mm-hmm. You do poorly and it might be a one and done. And I think right now you can't dismiss the possibility that it's a one and done because some of the production and the metrics for the Broncos offense right now through half a season are just dreadful. And you, may, and you, may, yeah, you literally have fewer points through eight games than in any season since 1992. That's the year I was born. What a great year, wow. except for offense, apparently. Which also, 91 into 92, was the last time the Broncos went at least 17 consecutive regular season games without scoring more than 24 points. <laughs> now, in the midst of that, it was an 18-game run from late in 1991 through the first half of the 1992 season. They actually did break 24. They got 26 in a playoff game <laughs> against the Houston Oilers. That was the drive to uh, a lot of longtime Bronco fans. I'm sure the words the drive to bring back a flood of memories. Mm-hmm. But in regular season, 18 consecutive games without scoring more than 24 points. So if the Broncos fail to get more than 24 against the gasping and wheezing Cleveland Browns on Sunday, they will match that. And then I'll go back further and see if there are any longer streaks in Broncos history. I imagine there may be a longer streak or two going to the pre-1978, what I would call the dead ball era of the NFL before the rules changes that called for more enforcement of uh, of con of hand-to-hand contact and jamming at the line of scrimmage that basically created the five-yard buffer uh, or the five the five-yard zone where you could have contact and then after that from that point downfield it was a uh, pass interference or holding so yeah it's been a long time since the offense has been that bad and the other thing I haven't even even gone and adjusted for era yet. That may be something I work on the next couple of days here. Uh, sure once you I get go a down little that rest, hole? yeah, because I want to know how bad this is. I re- no, I'm serious. No, it's true. The, and the funny thing is, Zach, the Broncos only have twelve touchdowns on offense so far this year. Through eight games, one point five <laughs> offensive touchdowns per game. Six on passes, six including one yesterday coming on the ground. I mean, it's almost like they're playing another kind of football from so many other teams in the league. But why the 12 touchdown number for the offense is so significant is because of this. How many touchdowns has the Broncos defense given up? 12? Correct. Mm. Now, there are also two on returns, of course, uh, including the uh, punt return uh, back by the Chargers in week five that kept them in the game. But the Broncos' defense has accounted for 12 touchdowns allowed. Mm. One and a half per game. Yep. It's a pretty good job, isn't it? Tremendous. Holding a team to 15 points, you should win 95% of those games. Mm-hmm. They're doing what you should do. And that's kind of what Vic said after the game. 
And something that got lost with Joe Flacco absolutely going off the rails was <laughs> Joe or, or Vic talked about his defense and he said, you know, we did a pretty darn good job. And then, you know, because they lost, he couldn't hype them up too much and just said, you know, at the end of the game, we just lost sight of what we had to do. And that was keep the guys in bounds. We couldn't let them get out of bounds. We broke that. So we didn't do a good enough job. But Vic Fangio, the defensive guy for the past four decades in the NFL is saying, come on, we should win every single game that we score 15 points. And Mace, I had a lot of people reaching out to me after we did the pod yesterday, mm-hmm. after Joe Flacco's comments, and they were saying, it is shout out to, to Lewis, people were saying, Joe Flacco? Who, who is this guy calling out Rich Scangarello? Yeah. Who is this guy? Look what he just did on the field. Threw for less than 200 yards for two of the past three games. No touchdowns. He looks just as bad as Rich Scangarello's play calling. Yeah, and you know what? That's part of the problem here, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The messenger. Mm-hmm. Joe Flacco is playing exactly as he did the last four seasons in Baltimore. Yep. If you look at his production, you look at his efficiency numbers, they're right in line. This isn't Joe Flacco in a similar scheme in 2014 with Gary Kubiak. This scheme hasn't revitalized him. I was having a conversation over the weekend regarding this topic. that The Broncos portrayed Joe Flacco as somebody who could come into this scheme and turn the clock back five years or more, maybe even seven or eight. That that what they did and schematically and what their coaching could do would bring Joe Flacco back. And thus, you had John Elway talking about Joe Flacco entering his prime. There is such intellectual arrogance about that. That you think you can do something that Baltimore couldn't. For one thing, Baltimore is one of the smartest organizations in the league. Universally regarded as such. Look how they're maximizing Lamar Jackson. Mm. A quarterback that the Broncos didn't consider. Because he didn't fit what they were trying to do. Didn't fit that mold of a quarterback. You're saying that Baltimore... An organization that for over two decades now, since Ozzie Newsom took over that operation using what he learned working under Bill Belichick and nailed that first draft that he had with Ray Lewis and Jonathan Ogden. My goodness. I'd say Has so. there ever been a better first <laughs> round of multiple picks than the Baltimore Ravens had? One of the few that would be in the conversation would be the Bucks a year earlier with Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp. But it's a short list. Of teams that did right that did that did that well right away, and yeah, it took some time, but they collected talent. And you know what? For the last twenty years, this has been one of the most consistent contenders in the National Football League. It's mm-hmm. a smart organization. Mm-hmm. You're saying the Baltimore Ravens didn't know what they were doing with Joe Flacco, didn't know how to use him properly. Man, that is an intellectual leap that just now looks incredibly farcical. It is. Because look what has happened to the Ravens since they jettisoned Joe Flacco for Lamar Jackson. Looks pretty good, huh? Yeah, they've been tremendous. What are they now? Um, they were 6-2 and two down the stretch last year, I yep. believe. Yep. And then this year, they're 6-1. and one. 
and they had the playoff loss. The twelve and three. Twelve and four. Yep. Twelve and four in their last sixteen <laughs> yeah. games since they moved on from Joe Flacco. So is this maybe encouraging to Broncos fans? Because look, Joe Flacco is about the oldest type of mold. You can have a quarterback. I'm not talking about his 34-year-old are, prime Are age you saying he's moldy and old? <laughs> As Homer Simpson said, moldy? Old? I've got to get something to eat. And we are in my kitchen, so I guess we can. Sorry. I wanted to hijack it there for a moment. <laughs> no, that was, that was perfect. And yeah, sure, moldy and old is a good way to put it. But look, and, and not only the consistency that the Ravens had, but come on. Mace, these past 20 years when they've had all this success, no one has looked at the Baltimore offense and said, that's what we want to be. No, it's it's been the defense, and they've been led by the offense, and that's what John Elway wanted to do these past few years, really, including this year. But then look what they did. In just like that, a heartbeat, they completely changed everything by drafting Lamar Jackson and going to a completely different philosophy, not just on offense, but as a team. Can that give Broncos fans some hope that maybe the same thing can happen in Denver? Only if the Broncos brass realizes that and makes the changes, but I don't know. This is an organization whose president and GM at the combine back in February said he felt that offenses worked best with the quarterback under center and said that short quarterbacks had to operate more in the shotgun. Basically poo-pooed the notion of a quarterback who didn't fit their, you know, their big, tall, classic drop back athletic mold. And one year before that, at the Combine last year, when asked about Lamar Jackson, Mm -hmm. he pretty much said, oh, that's someone else's problem. No chance we draft him. Yeah, the Broncos, I would suspect, were one of those organizations that perceived Lamar Jackson as more of a wide receiver, (laughs) which I said was a dumb notion then, and I'll tell you it's a dumb notion now. You know what's Mm -hmm. crazy? Even crazier is they may still think that, Mace. If given the opportunity, let's say Baltimore said, here's Lamar Jackson for you. The Broncos still, knowing that he's a 12-4 and quarterback, may still say, you may look real nice in the slot, Lamar. (laughs) Giving me a headache, man. (laughs) But that's where where it stands right now. And I feel like Broncos fans are losing hope because they're losing faith or they've lost faith and the people making the decisions. I lost track of the number of people who responded to me on Twitter last week regarding a poll grading the Emmanuel Sanders trade with comments about their frustration slash reservation with John Elway making the picks. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing more of that sentiment than ever before. The way I equate it is in Parliament in Britain, it's a vote of no confidence. I think people are voting no confidence in John Elway. Yeah, and here's the thing, Mace, is, yeah, he has hit on his two top five draft picks. It should be easy. I should be able to hit on top five draft picks, especially when you're not going after a quarterback with those draft picks and where people are really losing their confidence. And and it's a perfect way to put it, the the vote of no confidence. That's a, a perfect way to put it where people are really losing that 
is his ability to pick quarterbacks, not just in the draft, but in free agency. Anywhere you can get a quarterback, people do not trust John Elway anymore. And Joe Flacco is not helping his case. In the first four games of the season, Joe Flacco had six touchdowns, four interceptions. It's not sexy at all. You don't want him as your fantasy quarterback. You don't want to look at the stats at the end of the season. But you know what? That was a pace of 19 and a half touchdowns to 12 interceptions. That's what Joe Flacco has been. Now, he's he's typically around 20, 21 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, so just shy of that. So John was probably pretty happy with himself and Joe Flacco then. Mace, the past three games, this is mind-blowing, that this is not a rookie. This is an NFL veteran in his, quote, prime, according to John Elway. His past three games, zero. Zero. Zero touchdowns in three whole games and one interception. So now halfway through the season, he's on pace for 12 touchdowns. 12 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. And this is going to get better without Emmanuel Sanders. (laughs) Right. By the way, the Broncos, since they acquired Emmanuel Sanders in 2014, they've now played 10 games without Emmanuel Sanders, including Sunday. And they've averaged 13 point offensive points in those games, which is why I think even next week with the Browns struggling, I'm probably going to pick the Broncos to score exactly 13 points. All three of us picked the Broncos to score 13 points. That's one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen, by the way, yep. that we all picked them to score the exact same amount. And we were all correct. <laughs> and the craziest thing about it is I had to sell myself on the idea that they were going to get to 13. I started with 10. Yep. And I think I said 10 on the pod last week. But then after I did the number crunching, I thought, okay, well, if they're averaging 13, I'm going to settle on 13. <laughs> How did we not pick 13 next week? Against, by the way, the 2-5 and five Browns. And right now, on some websites, the Broncos are favored by a point. On other websites... The Broncos are one-point underdogs at mm-hmm. home. Not to the Baker Mayfield high-flying Browns, but to the 2-5 and five Browns. And it's the 2-5 and five Browns where you have Odell Beckham Jr. questioning the aggressiveness or lack thereof of their offense. So you have two teams where you have key players questioning the play calling, questioning the tactics. Mm-hmm. So what has to change? What, what has to happen for this, for this offense to, I don't know, Mace, call me crazy, but score 20 points. Defense has got to get some takeaways and put them in good field position. The offense has to take advantage of the short field. I think that's the thing. That's what you need right now. It's just not there. It's it's not there with this offense at all. Um, I think I hit my breaking point with it yesterday. Mm. And... Maybe it was the fact that I watched the day before. I watched Justin Fields dice up Wisconsin. And by the way, and Chase Young. He's the first non-quarterback off the board next year. Mm. Um, I saw Jalen Hurts come achingly close to getting Oklahoma back. By the way, I think Oklahoma based on the comeback they had to make it close against Kansas State, I think Oklahoma wins out and goes to the playoff anyway, mm. even with one loss. They they just they 
they done screwed up for three quarters. They figured it out too late, right. but they were able to hit fifth gear when they when they had to to give themselves a chance that nobody thought they had. Right. Um, I've been thinking about a lot of draft possibilities, and so I'll be positive here. I'll give you one that uh, maybe is the best of both worlds, even though if the Broncos don't change their scheme dramatically to meet the quality of the type of players and the skill sets that are coming out of college, it's not going to work. But my sort of dream scenario is the Bron- the Broncos tweak their offense. And look, you can tweak this scheme to match the types of quarterbacks coming out. The Shanahans did it in 2012 for RG3 in Washington. So don't tell me that this scheme cannot be modified. Right. It has been. I've had many conversations with Tyler Columbus, my old friend from Orange and Blue 760, about that Washington team in 2012 and what they had to modify and how they did it and and how they got an outstanding season out of RG3 Mm -hmm. and that offense because of what they were able to modify and in some ways simplify for his skill set. The plan with RG3 was to build off that year by year, introduce more concepts year by year, and get to where he was really kind of running the classic version uh, of this offense later in his career. But RG3 decided to circumvent the coaches, go to Daniel Snyder because it's a dysfunctional organization, and that, as they say, is that. But the 2012 Washington Redskins show that you can modify this scheme, which tells me that either if you don't, and to me, you should modify it for Drew Locke if you put him in there. Without a doubt. More shotgun, more freedom to run, more moving out of the pocket. If you don't modify that, either you're stubborn or you lack the capacity to make the changes. That means you're not in the you're not in the Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur class. And if you don't, then you shouldn't be here. Then you shouldn't be running uh, an organization at whatever level you're at. If you're the whether it's offensive coach, coordinator, right. whether it's uh, you know the general manager, I know that today it seems like everyone's trying to pick a side between Rich Gangarello and Joe Flacco. It can be both That's, that are the problem. Absolutely, and right now it is both. Yeah, and I don't think anyone can convince you otherwise of that. And it can also be Vic Fangio. Because, yeah, he's not making every single play call during the game. But I'm going to ask him today. I'm going to say, who makes the call that you're running the ball on third and five in that situation? Because that can be a call that comes from the head coaches. Run the ball, try to get the first down. But if not, we're going to burn that timeout and we're going to punt it. And that is exactly what Joe Flacco called the non-aggressive play to play calling that happened yesterday. I would actually like to learn more about what Vic Fangio believes offensively. And I think... Mm. Maybe over the next few weeks in the question and answer sessions, there are going to be some questions about this because reading between the lines of what Vic is saying, it doesn't appear he's sold on this offense schematically or what it has in terms of personnel, especially from the quarterback position. And a look at Vic Fangio's recent history in the last decade shows that he was a part of some very successful teams in San Francisco that had Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick as the quarterbacks and that the best year in Chicago was with Mitchell Trubisky, with Matt Nagy completely changing the arc of that offense that year. Now we're seeing Trubisky come back to earth Mm -hmm. 
this season, but last year in a shotgun-heavy offense that was pretty dynamic at times, the Bears were a very effective team. And that offense did complement what they were doing defensively. So I wonder what Vic really wants to see from this offense. And you know, if Vic Fangio is going to succeed, I think he's got to be able to say, okay, this is what I want our offense to do. And if it's not what you're doing right now schematically, then you got to make the changes. I feel like this scheme was forced on him. Mm-hmm. Like they were determined they were going to get Gary Kubiak. And when Kubiak insisted on putting the band back together and the Broncos said, thanks, but no thanks, it was, well, we have to stick with the scheme. So let's go get somebody who can run it. It's the wrong way to go about it. it <laughs> I is. mean, because did you get the best guy? You you had you got a guy who hadn't called plays at a level higher than FCS Wagner the Northeast Conference. When you look at this, it, let's say Rich Scangarello doesn't work out, and maybe we find that out soon. And a lot of people are probably uh, punching their stereo right now, saying, "What do you mean? If he doesn't work out, he hasn't worked out, and, and that's fine." But when the Broncos move on from him, if it doesn't work out, there's going to be some. Very legitimate questioning of what were they doing in the first place? How did they not see this coming? Because he was calling plays at Wagner. He was at Northern Arizona. And then he was... Millsaps. Millsaps. Where is Millsaps anyway? <laughs> I have no... I'm going to guess... Is it in Tennessee? I, I was, I was going to say that's that's All right, track. hang on. <laughs> Millsaps College. Ah! Mississippi. Mississippi. There we go. The Jackson, South. Mississippi. <laughs> Harlem. Hollywood. Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> Showdown. <laughs> Bill Saps is Division Three, by the way. Mm, and that's where he was calling. Nicknamed the Majors. The Mill Saps Majors. Well, this offense looks like a major stinko right now. <laughs> it certainly, certainly does. And Mace, when Vic Fangio is mulling all of this over of what he does and what needs to change, whether it's this week, whether it's the end of this season. He should be doing it with the Breckenridge Brewery. Nice. And the Breckenridge Brewery. Let's say he is mulling these changes this week. The one he should be going to is the Hop Peak. And let me tell you about this beer. If you like hops and you like a flavorful beer that just punches you in the mouth with flavor, this is the one for you. And nothing is warmer in a beer than an IP that than a hoppy, hoppy beer. And that's what you need on a day like today. With the snow coming down, you either go for the Hot Peak or you go for the Vanilla Michael Porter Jr. Both are fantastic. But today, I recommend the Hot Peak as the snow is falling down around us today. So make sure you check out Breckenridge Brewery. And that is my recommendation for today is the Hot Peak. And then after you have a Hot Peak, you'll probably need to check out Vita Mobile IV the next day. And as you guys know, our very own Ryan Koningsberg, who is on assignment today, by the way, did this after he had a few delicious Breckenridge breweries. And he woke up at about a 30% that following day. The Sunday after the BS, at, at, that, at that time, it was the BSN draft party, of course, now DNVR. Uh, he woke up at about a 30%. Vita Mobile IV came to his house as he sat on his couch, hooked him up with an IV, and just an hour later, he was back to 100%. That's all it took. 
So whether it's after you've had a few too many tasty beverages, whether you just need some some uh, hydration going forward, make sure that you check out Vita Mobile IV, where they will come to your home, office, dorm room, or wherever you need some serious hydration. Vita Mobile IV is made up of professionals that are passionate about preventative health and the benefits of IV therapy and alternative medicine. Recover and recharge with Vita Mobile IV. So download their app, request a skilled IV drip therapist, sit back and relax because they come to you. And don't forget to use the promo code HYD20 and you save 20% off your first IV drip. So visit VitaMobileIV.com today to learn more about them or just download their app and book your appointment. That's Vita, V-I-T-A, Mobile IV or VitaMobileIV.com and make sure you use the code HYD20 to save 20%. All right, Mace, we've now all had our opinions in. Should we turn to the people to see what they have to say? Let's dive right into the comments. We'll start with DC Bronco. That was painful. I know logically, though not in my heart, that an L is better than a dub at this point, all things considered. But that doesn't make it all that much easier to swallow. You can't score 13 points and expect to win a game in today's NFL, and that's about what this offense seems capable of producing week in and week out. That the Broncos are even competitive is an incredible de- tribute to Vic and his defense. That's true. Mm-hmm. Which leads to what we've, been, we've all been saying. Well, except a few people who can't forget number seven, the player. Elway has destroyed this team. Just think about Flaccid Flacco. He's a statue <laughs> with a cannon attached. That's well and good if you have a world-class O-line. But you're putting him behind a line that couldn't block water if it fell out of a boat. It's just a dumb move. And the worst part is, by all indications, Elway is too stubborn to admit he's wrong and try to figure out what's next. So maybe it's time for folks in the media to start, loudly and publicly, putting this in terms that someone with Elway's set of priorities and worldview can understand. What Elway is doing now is destroying his legacy. This generation of Broncos fans will never know him as the QB who won two Super Bowls and led the drive. They'll know him as the GM who ruined their team. So step down, now, before it gets worse. I don't mean this literally, but some of you history buffs, Mace, the Count, may get the reference, which I think is appropriate at this point, Elway Delenda Est, as in, used to be, it was with Carthage. Basically, it's must die, mm. must be gone. And here's here's the thing for everyone that feels like DC Bronco is, I would be mind blown if John Elway steps away, because he was asked, John, you have two Super Bowls as a player. You've been to two Super Bowls as an an executive. You've won a Super Bowl as an executive. Why are you still doing this? He was asked this in January of this year, and he said, I'm not leaving this team when they're down. Now, if he's fired, he doesn't have a choice. But this team is only going further down right now. So in his mind, at least, there's no way He's walking away after after this season. But what happens sometimes when you try to dig yourself out of a hole? You make the hole deeper. deeper. Yep. I often say this, but I cite the example of Tom Landry when he got fired by Jerry Jones back in 1989. Cowboys were coming off a 3-13 and season, and Jones had just bought the team and was about to bring in Jimmy Johnson. And Tom Landry said, I just didn't want to leave the Cowboys when they were down because he wanted to bring them back. The competitor in you 
always wants to bring it back. Exactly. Exactly. Next one coming in from the Manning Faced Guy says, Guys, I am lost for words. I can't believe we lost this game against a good Colts team. I've been saying this since the beginning of the season. Rich Gangrello is one of the biggest reasons why we are losing. He is why we lost this game, which we should have won. The play calling is crap. Just horrendous. From the lack of intensity in the play calling and not using your best players like Philip Lindsay, he is the main reason why we are losing. There's no reason why our offense should be this bad. Rich Gangrello is 100% to blame. If Joe Flacco can come out and admit this during a live interview, you know this team has been feeling like this for a while. I really hope we get rid of people like Scangrello and Bulls this offseason. These are people who are holding this team back. Not sure if there's a pun intended with Bulls in there or not. <laughs> Lastly, I don't know if you saw Vaughn's interview, but that should prove how much of a leader he is. He was also pretty upset about Chris Harris Jr. possibly being traded. If he's not traded, does this mean there's a chance he stays? Thanks, guys, for everything, and sorry for the long comment. More than a chance he stays. If he's not traded, I do not expect that he will be traded. By the deadline, I think Von Miller will be around for at least the next two years. And then the question becomes, can this team, yes, rebuild itself enough to where Vaughn decides, I want to stay around, sign another contract? Right. Or does he look at it and say, you know, I saw how DeMarcus Ware had success after he left the Cowboys, how Julius Peppers had some of his best years after leaving Carolina and going on to Chicago and Green Bay before right. coming back to Carolina at the very end of his career. And he may say the pastures are greener elsewhere. Right, exactly. But that decision comes later. Speaking of trades, I'm going to throw one player at you, mm. and I want to get your reaction. Adam Schefter tweeted out that there has apparently been some interest in C.J. Beathard. 49ers backup quarterback. What if the Broncos trade for C.J. Beathard? What would your reaction be? No. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> and uh, Wrong backup. If you're going to trade for a Niners backup, <laughs> right. way wrong guy. Trade for Nick Mullins. At least Nick Mullins proved he could be capable. C.J. Beathard, that name scares the crap out of me. <laughs> You know, in 2017 and 2018, he only completed 57% of his passes. Not good. His passer rating was 74.6. His QBR in 2017 was 32.6. Uh. In 2018, <laughs> 37.3. That's woeful. That's world of suck bad. Uh. More interceptions than touchdowns. Uh. <laughs> and if you trade for C.J. Beathard, it would mean you're not activating Drew Locke. Right. I know what C.J. Beathard is. By the way, yep. in those two seasons, when, I, when the Niners started C.J. Beathard, they were 1-9. <laughs> when they started any other quarterback, they were 9-13. Oh, stop. Not great, <laughs> but also at least competitive and competent. Mace, what would be the reason for trading for him? Because Rich Gangarello worked with him and knows him. <gasps> By the way, C.J. Beathard... When he came out in 2017, I saw him down at the Senior Bowl. There's a throw he made in a red zone period into like quadruple coverage that was just mind-numbingly bad. And I saw that throw, and I'm like, okay, I want no part of this guy. Because what he did at Iowa was very meh by my perception anyway. 
It was be- very Bethardian. Yeah, that's a way of putting it. Of course, <laughs> Bethard, his grandfather's in the Hall of Fame. Hmm. Bobby Bethard is his grandfather, the former Washington and San Diego general manager. As we know with the Kelly family, it doesn't necessarily always trickle down. This is true. Good point. Anyway, I just had to bring that up. Oh, that would be as bad as it could be because not only does it mean you're not activating Drew Locke, you may be thinking, okay, Drew Locke's not the guy, but maybe we don't need a guy in the first round next year. Because you have CJ Beathard. Oh, God. (laughs) And then on top of that, it could mean just doubling down on Rich Gangarello, which I don't, even if you're not calling for Rich Gangarello to be fired just yet, I don't know how anyone can truly have his back and the offense's back right now. It's th- There's been really nothing since week three when I guess they were trending up, kind of, that has given you any reason to back him. Week four was trending up. Okay, yeah, it went to week four. Yeah, Jacksonville. Yep. But at the same time, you were pretty bad in the second half until that late comeback. Yep, until Joe Cool kicked Ever in. since the end of the first quarter, In Los Angeles. Right. Think about it. So that's what? Now, three and a half games. Since that 14-point first quarter in L.A., you had six points the rest of that day, 16 the next game. That's 22. Six against the Chiefs, 28. 13 against the Colts. So... Three and a half games, 14 quarters. Yep. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, that's just 41 points yep. in three and a half games. Yep. I wonder how many, how many teams topped that yesterday. The in- 49ers did. Yep. Think about that. <laughs> the, the 49ers had more points in one day, even taking out the Nick Bosa play although he didn't go all the way with it they had more points 51 points yesterday and the broncos have 41 points in their last (laughs) 14 quarters of football that's world of suck right there kirk smith 44 joe has a problem with the play calling yeah so does everyone else but maybe show you could look in the mirror you suck you're over the hill and well over it you hold on the ball longer than anyone i've ever watched have you not been paying attention to how poor your offensive line is Get the ball out. Your demeanor on the field sucks, too. This is the most fire you've shown all season, and it was in a post-game presser. Thanks for your one year of service. Enjoy some backup job next year. If anyone's willing to give you a deal, you suck, Joe. That being said, you suck, too, Skangs. Damn. And I know some people are frustrated that Joe Flacco is the one making these comments, but he was getting bashed for being Joe Cool and not saying anything and not having any fire. So I guess what it comes down to is until this offense starts putting up points, nothing they do or say is going to be acceptable, and I understand that. I get that. Next one coming in from Lone Star Bronco. I'm reminded of a quote from a past great Bronco when DT was traded to the Texans on the same week they played the Texans. He was asked about a questionable call to the to run the ball instead of trying to shorten a 51-yard field goal. McManus missed to lose. He said, quote, that's what they do over there. I ain't part of that no more. We like to win over here. Same conversation or same conservative hold what you got the same losing nonsense i'm not saying go full madden and never punt but put that godforsaken game away when you're up it's true 
But the interesting thing is, if you look at the possibilities on third and five, I would actually argue that throwing to Cortland Sutton is the most low-risk proposition there. Mace, you're not and, saying... And the best chance of reward. The goal is get the first down. Get the first down, or worst case, it's incomplete. And like Joe said, did they really need that timeout? Of course, they wanted it, but did they really need it? Because as Joe also said, they still went and kicked a field goal without it. Of course, didn't he say it's easy to get in a field goal range? Something like that? <laughs> yeah. Which he didn't really show yeah, much of exactly. yesterday. It's not easy for this <laughs> bloody stinking offense. <laughs> I, again, I'm sorry. <laughs> I did back away from the mic when I yelled, so I hope it didn't sound too bad. <laughs> no, I was perfect. That was but great. I've just... I'm sorry. I've seen crap offense now for basically three and a half seasons. I'm tired of it. And this is what I'm tired of this tepid, turgid excuse for an offense. I completely understand where guys on the defensive side are coming from, the exasperation, because I'm just watching it and I feel it. Did we all sell our souls back in 2013 to get to watch that beautiful offense? And by the way, I think it's fascinating that John Elway has this fidelity to this scheme when it was obviously not with a mobile quarterback, but a spread them out type of offense in 2013. Yeah, it didn't win the Super Bowl, but you didn't win the Super Bowl in part because your defense was basically out of gas. I mean, look at the guys you were playing in that Super Bowl. The exhumed corpse of Paris Lennon started (laughs) the game. Tony Carter had to play extensively. You had major personnel issues on the defensive side that helped the game get out of hand. The offense did have its issues as well, but it got you that far. So I can't believe that he looks at the scope of his time as general manager sees how the offense looked from start of 2012 through close to the end of 2014 before injuries really started to take their toll on Peyton Manning and say, you know what? I don't want that style. I want this other style. You know, especially because it's hard to find quarterbacks who can effectively run this West Coast type of offense. Because college football just does not produce those guys in mass quantities anymore. You have to adapt to what your talent on hand is. Again, why I go back to what the Shanahan's did with RG3 back in 2012. Mace, if I'm John Elway at the end of this season, I'm saying I'm not saying I want a Vic Fangio defense. I want this type of defense. I'm not saying I want a Tom McMahon type of special teams or a, th- a, a, a this type of special teams. And on offense, I'm certainly not saying I want a Rich Gingarello offense, a Kyle Shanahan offense, a West Coast offense, a spread offense. I'm saying I want a good defense, I want a good special teams unit, and I want a good offense. Why and can't you have all three? That's the exactly. pasta and meatballs I want. Exactly. I, w- I want them all, and I'm saying I'm going to do whatever to get myself a good offense not in whatever form that looks like i don't care what it is whatever players that involves because you know what i don't care how i get to averaging 26 points per game that's my end goal and that's what i'm going to do my end goal is not running a specific offense right the end goal is the points you put up per week because when you go you insist on running a specific offense and you become 
wedded to the scheme, you end up trying to mash square pegs into round holes. Exactly. Which I think is part of the problem. Count Flacula. Hey. I was going to obliterate my television set every time Skangs ran a single bat set with number 30, but I used my better judgment and held out into our third down play that could have sealed the game and it ended in a graveyard of perceivable mistakes. This is some of the worst play calling I can remember, and I'm 700 plus years old. <laughs> my dead grandmother could call more exciting and expected plays than this. Why are we not scheming to get number 30, the ball in space? Good point. Do you think, A, John made a deal with Beelzebub to win Super Bowl 50 that doomed him thereafter? <laughs> B, someone at Broncos HQ really pissed off the football gods? <laughs> C, Vic's kidney stone is really calling the plays. True story, I asked my precocious 17-month-old tonight before bed if he liked watching the Broncos today, and he just replied in a sweet little voice, Poking. That really sums it up, doesn't it? This bleep is bananas. <laughs> Love the count. Mace, thanks for thanks for making that comment. Seventeenth uh, month appropriate. Oh, no problem. This is a family podcast. I think piss is as far as we go. Yep, yep, yep. Count as always. You delivered, and Mace, you delivered it perfectly. Well, I think yeah, maybe there are some deals with the devil because I uh, talked about how we made a deal. Somehow, somebody made a deal with the devil to watch Super Bowl. 48 and those years with Manning 2012 to 2014 and see that offense <laughs> look so brilliant and uh ever since then it's it's brutal it's yep. taxing on the eyes it's really going to uh really just set everyone straight when they do get a good offense I don't think they'll be booing when they're putting up 30 points per game but in the first half they only manage 17 yeah and <laughs> if they keep doing this all I'll say is you think the boos were allowed for Donald Trump last night at the World Series? <laughs> Ain't heard nothing yet. Mm. Next one coming in from Nihalo. He says, I've officially reached the point of I don't give a freak with this season. I've got two TVs, and today, for the first time this season, I put Red Zone with sound on the main TV and Denver muted on the other TV. I don't even care what happens as long as Flacco is the quarterback. I honestly hope we lose every game that he starts to improve draft position. Until Locke plays, I'm entirely indifferent about this season. I'm no longer emotionally tied to the 2019 Broncos football games. Today should have should have get a crushing loss, but I don't even care. First time in my life as a Broncos fan where I feel that way. It sucks. Sorry for the long comment, but sheesh, this blows. Yeah. I see that sentiment with a lot of fans as well. I think we step back from it a day later, and you're like, yeah, the loss was probably good in the grand scheme of things. But boy, in the moment, as everything went down, I felt empathy for that team yep. enduring it. And I kind of was crushed for them. And then you see the look on Scangarello's face as he's walking uh, back to the elevator, waiting for the elevator, just staring down. That just kind of reminds you that, yeah, it means something to them. And right. your heart breaks for them a little bit. Right. Even Absolutely. though now you step away and say, hey, you know what? Losing's the best thing. Yeah. And that said, trust me, if this team loses the next eight games, it's going to be miserable for our jobs, you know. I'm just telling you. Yeah. It might be great for draft position, great for the future. Yep. But in the moment. Us covering the team, yeah, it's going to be dreadful. Yeah, I mean, four and twelve is the pace they're on right now. Yes, that's bad enough. That's terrible. But imagine if they go one and seven the rest of the way. It's quite possible. By the way, the Broncos have not had a better second half of the season record than first half of the season 
since Peyton Manning's first season, 2012. Every other year, they've either been the same or worse. Holy cow. On average, 1.2 games worse in the second half than the first half. So if they maintain <laughs> that pace, they would go 1-7 if they are average relative to the last six seasons. 3-13. and 13. Holy oh, cow. Holy cow. Wow. Well, in that case, you better get in Drew Locke. If 3-13 and 13 happens with trading for C.J. Beathard. Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, God. <laughs> From now, Rob. Hey, guys, I'll be in town for the Browns game. Is the DNVR group tailgating with some damn good beer? If so, where is the tailgate? Will you guys be there? Yes. And you know what? If you don't want to watch the game, we understand. But you want to be a part of our tailgates with the Sons of Mile High, Lot N, south of Empower Field at Mile High. As uh, some fellow USF products say with their tailgates, our tailgate is undefeated. <laughs> yep, yep. If you want winning football, you come to the DNVR Sons of Mile High tailgate. As May said, in Lot N, I think we kick off around 10 a.m. for those 225 starts, so make sure you show up a few hours early. <laughs> Exactly. Next one coming in from the original Mario says, I feel like a clown thinking our offense was going to be at least decent coming into this season. The defense always plays their hearts out just to be handed that L because the offense failing to back up the defense with points support. It's a pitcher goes. It's like a pitcher that goes eight innings of one run ball while your offense fails to score after many, many opportunities going 0-9 when they are runners in scoring position. I do believe in this coaching staff. It may take a while for it to settle, but I feel like we can win football games with a team in the future. Also, so the people who are saying fire the coaches look like clowns. My question, let's say we are picking seventh overall. Would you trade Vaughn with picks to the top three to chase Drew? to draft Chase Young. Dude looks like he's going to be a beast. Hashtag free Drew Locke. Love Chase Young. If you don't have your long-term quarterback, I can't rationalize that pick. No nope. trade. I'm sorry. I, because you need draft capital. Now, here's a, a dream. Let's be positive for a moment. Let's say the Broncos do pick third. But they have their draft capital from day two. And maybe even they've added another pick or two in day two over the next 24 hours. What if they use some of that draft capital from day two to get back into round one late and they have a first round of Chase Young and Jalen Hurts? Yep. I could get behind that. I could certainly, certainly get behind that. That would be exciting. That'd be exciting for the Broncos moving forward. And Jalen Hurts also. The one thing I'll say for him, if you're talking about character and leadership and all that is part of the, is part of the big picture being quarterback. Absolute A plus in both yep. counts. And that's big for an organization from the quarterback position as the Broncos have desperately found out in the worst way possible since losing Peyton Manning. You need it. That's a non-negotiable from that position. It is the leadership, and he has that. I know and he's not the strongest of arms, all that, but in terms of the intangibles, checks every box. Exactly. So the Unforgiven 3. Seriously, what the heck is going on? We are so stuck in the 90s. Am I the only one who thinks they should fire John Elway? Let me paint you a picture. Paint Manning takes over Joe Ellis' spot, and Gary Kubiak takes over for John Elway. I know I'm dreaming, but imagine the franchise we could have if they built this team. Mm. I think Kubiak helped John Elway, especially in 2018. But without the players to effectively run that scheme, 
I'm not sold on something that continues to have you further tied to this. Right. I want some flexibility here. Yeah, and it's funny that the Unforgiven 3 starts with, we are so stuck in the 90s, and then wants to bring back Gary Kubiak. Now, I know he was the head coach for the 2015 Super Bowl Mm -hmm. team, but you would probably still be getting a lot of old football concepts, even if Kubiak's the general manager, a lot of old concepts. And I I don't think Gary Kubiak would be bringing in a a new whippersnapper to run a 2020 offense. I think it'd be more so of exactly what John Elway did. If they did that, (laughs) then I'm here for the faux friends intro if we're gonna go full 90s like if you're getting people back together you can do a like a friend style intro and you know cut and paste you know gary kubiak's head on david schwimmer's body or something like that we'll even we'll even change our intro to be the friends theme song hey we'll be there for you (laughs) exactly although i used to make fun of the show because i wasn't a friends fan of the lyrics i'll be there for you until the ratings start to fall. <laughs> Next one coming in from Iceman says, Hey boys, Joe's words are so meaningless. Way too little, way too late. Where were his words in ga- in the first seven games? Those were bench-worthy comments. Second quarter grade, they went two and two. A solid C. An F and an A equals a C. Solid overall. A D. A, a D equals a bad football club. If they do not start Drew in week 11, just leave him on IR. He needs a chance to replicate what Tebow is able to do. Go Zoomies. Hey, D means you passed. It's true. <laughs> D's get degrees. You saw Tommy Boy, right? No. Yeah, at the end of the movie, or the start of the movie, when he's uh, looking at the exam scores, and he's seeing the guy D, and he passed. <laughs> You know, some people go to college for seven years. Yeah, they're called doctors. <laughs> Mr. Blorange. Oh, shoot. Pardon my French, <laughs> but I can't stop celebrating this loss. This game was way too close for comfort, and it made me sweat worse than old stinky French cheese that's been left out too long. And But, of course, Monsieur Flacco shall point the finger elsewhere. We have a saying in Paris, sore losers are like a stinky French cheese. It was stinking long before the mice climbed on top and started eating at it. <laughs> on a more serious note, maybe now we'll get to see Drew Locke, finally? And maybe I can go back to rooting for the Blorongish boys to win again. <laughs> this season has, by far, been the most strenuous on my Bronco allegiance. I haven't felt this conflicted since when I was a youth in boarding school and learned about the great Napoleon Bonaparte. I can't help but be reminded of him every time I think of John Elway and Rich Gangarello and the Stinky Cheese Man. The stinky cheese man. Oh, how I wish to blow cigarette smoke in his face and push elderberries up his nose. Did you enjoy the farewell strip sack, stinky cheese man? I know I did. Sorry, this took a dark turn. So in these dark times, let us look to the orange moon and reflect. For it is the blue stars that shoot in our direction when the night shrouds overall. And may we all enjoy a fine cheese as we watch them come home. As always, thanks for the fun times, hard work, and great podcast. Monsieur Blorange. Miss, Monsieur Blorange, that... Uh, was Merci a, beaucoup. <laughs> that was a fantastic comment, but there was one problem, is it made me just think of delicious cheeses the whole time. And now I'm hungry, and it's 11 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and, guys, I, I gotta tell you about our very own The DNVR and the competition that we have going on, and we all need your help. Well, really, I need your help the most. Mace... 
went with the underdog card last time. I don't know how he was able to pull that off, but it was successful. Now I am the true underdog again. So use the code Zach, Z-A-C, when you become a member of this awesome family. Not only do you get to support me, or you can use the code MACE, M-A-S-E, to support him, but you help the, the Broncos community. And let me remind you, we have never lost one of these competitions you guys aren't coming through for us like we need you to. So please hit either of those codes. But you you won't only help us. You will be able to get any of your comments or questions or frustration or joy that the Broncos are losing. You'll be able to get those comments read on the pod. That's the only way to have your questions answered on the pod is by becoming a member and joining us. And you'll get a free, awesome t-shirt of your choice from our awesome store and you'll get exclusive access to all of the content that we produce. And Mace, we touched on all three of the pieces that we wrote last night. We touched on it in the first segment. You guys would have known that last night, right when we dropped him. Mace was coming with you, uh, coming to you with fresh stuff straight from Indianapolis. No one else saw Rich Scangarello except for Mace because he had he had boots on the ground there. You would have known that last night. You would have been showing up to your office today being the smartest one in your office. And you get all of that by using the code Zach, Z-A-C, or the code Mace, M-A-S-E, at thednvr.com. So please support us and get all of these awesome benefits. And also, speaking of supporting local businesses... Let me tell you about Denver Rubber Company because we are so excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. And it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. DRC offers innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries, including aerospace, pharmaceutical, construction, medical, military, electronics, and so much more. If you guys need anything, they are the ones to go to. And they had us down at their headquarters earlier this month, and they are awesome people, fantastic customer service, and everyone at DNVR cannot recommend them more to you. They're an ISO certified company that will work with you from design to final product that is both cost effective and will meet your requirements. If you're in need of custom custom design, material selection for your product, or have a deadline to make for a large order, do not hesitate to call Denver Rubber Company. So pick up the phone and call them today at 1-800-259-0010. Or visit them today at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. That's 1-800-259-0010 or drcfirst.com slash dnvr. And make sure you tell them who sent you. Well put. Let's move on to Kodiak No Fly Zone. That was a close one. Almost won a game and keeping the dream alive of a run for the playoffs. First off, on the chiropractor fixing up Sleepy Spicy Joe is because Kiko Alonso ripped his head off a few years ago. Secondly, Vaughn hasn't had that fire in his belly after being in a relationship in my eyes, JMO, but just seeing him get choked up over Chris was not easy to see. Three, for Mr. B. Four, I work work for the railroad, and I know what a derailment looks like, and this is off the rails for sure, and John is the engineer controlling this train. In my experience, the longer it's off the rails, the more damage it does, and the longer it takes to fix. I hope they stop, reset, to get this thing rolling again nice and slow, 
because I'm afraid if it goes too long, then this could become a bigger mess than it already is. Love you guys. You're the only thing I have to look forward to on Sundays anymore. Nah, we love you right back, Kodiak No Fly Zone. And I feel like as the losses pile up, the calls for John Elway are only going to get louder. The other thing with Joe Flacco having the neck issues, I mean, it's just kind of the easy out at some point. And that's why, look, just put Locke out there. Give him a game plan that tailors to his strengths. See what he's got. And especially if Joe Flacco's hurt. I mean, how many, when he t- I look back at that hit, I probably watched that hit at the end of the game at least six times. Mm. Um, it's rough. It is. It I, is you rough. winced for him. I mean, I know people aren't happy with him right now, but you, I, I winced for him absorbing that shot, and he had no clue it was coming. Nope. No clue. Nope, with, without a doubt. Next one coming in from Dan Burke says, We've reached the stage where I'm looking for moral victories, but I like this quote from Jacoby Brissett. That was probably the best defense I think we've faced this year. They were just so disciplined in staying with their playing. They were coached well. Fangio did a good job staying the course of his plan, and then T.Y. did T.Y. things. Not to mention Quentin Nelson was getting bullied by our defensive line, so I'm pretty impressed with the defense, especially when you consider that they're down to a bunch of backups and guys they pick up from the street. Would have been nice to get this win, and I'm upset that most people assumed they would run over us, but I get the bigger picture, so I'm not too mad about it. You know, Alexander Johnson taking a lot of flack for the horse collar penalty, and you can debate whether it was a penalty or not, but when you put the hand up there like that, yeah, they're going to call it. Yep. That's just how it is. And there's the definition of it. It does kind of talk about just kind of the top of the, the, top of the shoulder pads, the top mm-hmm. of the jersey, that area. So... It's one where I think the Broncos, they may send it to the league, but I don't know they're going to get a positive response right. to it. But Alexander Johnson, I'm bringing him up because he got some pressure on Jacoby Brissett. He did. And did so beating Quentin Nelson. Mm. That was impressive. That's mm. one thing. When I look at the list of things that encourage me about this game, Alexander Johnson getting pressure at the expense of Quentin Nelson is right up there. Yeah. That was impressive. Yeah, he got he laid a big hit on Jacoby. Yeah. NJ Bronco 85. Hello, gents. I've decided to take a positive spin on the year so far, as long as the road leads to Drew at some point. <laughs> I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the Emmanuel Sanders situation. I've heard recently from a few different sources that he handled the situation poorly. Oh, they didn't want to get Bronco. He let his frustrations get the best of him. They should have done better. Considering that he was phased out of the offense after the Raiders game, can you really blame him for being upset? To say that he was underutilized is an understatement. We all know that he wants to win. He can be a bit of a drama queen from time to time, but I feel like it was well-worn given how the team used him. I also thought it was pretty funny to hear Vaughn say what he said about him given that he hasn't really played well at all. Just curious for your thoughts. Thanks for the great content as always and numerous laughs to keep us sane throughout the season. Well, the thing with Emmanuel, he, he actually had a couple of big games after the Raider game. The Bears game, for example. Basically, he carried the team in the fourth quarter, helping bring them back, was very involved in the game plan that day. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, if he's getting his targets and the team is winning, everything is fine. If he's getting his targets and the team is losing, he probably won't complain. If he's not getting his targets and the team is losing, he's going to tell everybody. So... Emmanuel Sanders is one of those guys that I point to and say he had a lot of trouble adjusting to the new reality of the world of suck era post Peyton Manning for the Broncos. 
He's a guy that you love to have on your team when you've got Peyton Manning and you're going to the playoffs every single year and making Super Bowl runs because he's a heck of a player. There's no arguing that. But when you have Case Keenum, Trevor Simeon, Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch, Joe Flacco, it's probably not a guy that you want to have when you're not making the playoffs any of those years. Only one of those years you're a winning team. And then especially the final three games of his Broncos career, he had 10 total targets. That was never going to work. Yeah, never going to work at all. Next one coming in from VB Trey says, Hey, gents, new sub here. Code Zach supporter. There we go, VB Trey. I love you. Thanks for doing that. Wanted to comment and follow on the topic of t- taking out the hot running back when they've strung together a couple of efficient plays. Not only is this scheme and staff taking out the backs at the wrong time, they're putting them into plays that don't take advantage of their strengths, i.e. inside draws with Lindsay and outside tosses with Royce. Additionally, the st- staff and scheme seems to fall into the same pattern of taking Phil out and then putting Royce in power formations with both tight ends to block pretty much yelling to the defense, hey, we're running the ball with Royce, and then call an inside zone run right into an eight-man box. It's infuriating to watch time and time again. Can only hope after another close loss, the team realizes the current plan is detrimental to long-term success, and Elway and Fangio finally decide to activate Drew, so this year isn't a total waste. Support from Baltimore. Sorry, nope, perfect. Great comment. Welcome to the fam, VB Trey. And thank you so much for using that code ZAC. <laughs> I, I knew you'd like that. I knew you had to read uh, that one, but uh, I agree with all the, all the sentiments there in that in terms of um, not using players and skill sets appropriately. Broncos fan since 84. A question I would love to ask Elway is, does he still think Locke is the future? If the answer is no, then I would follow it up with, then are you expecting to pick a quarterback from the first round then? If the answer is anything but no, the follow-up question would have to be, why isn't he even practicing then? So frustrating seeing what is being done with Locke. No yeah. argument. No yeah. argument. And we may find out today if Locke's going to be on the practice field. But we also thought we, we knew at this time a week ago that he was. And then we found out when practice actually opened that he wasn't. So we'll see what Vic Fangio has to say today. And if you want to know what Vic has to say today, make sure that you subscribe to the DNVR because that's where you get your fastest up-to-date news. All right, next one coming in from Bumpy Buffalo says, guys, play Allen. Claim that the chiropractor hurt Flacco and gave an excuse to see a more mobile quarterback. I've been pounding this rock for weeks and nothing's changed. Everyone says that we will be worse. Mace, but how much worse can it get? I am sorry, but a 12-year vet like Flacco seriously steps up, avoids the pressure only to take a strip sack. He had tons of room. Start moving and get a few yards and out of bounds. Save two seconds for a Hail Mary. Or throw it away, but you have to know if it's not there, get to a new down. Everyone is mad at the play calling, and I agree at times it was incredibly frustrating, but you're also scheming without a manual for the first time and trying to not take eight sacks again. I think more aggressiveness is much needed, but it wasn't a terrible plan considering they were just trying not to get sacked and spread the ball around. Activate Drew and stick Allen in there for the time being. Also, is Vaughn just getting too old? That missed sack is not like him, but neither is three sacks through eight games. Is he just done? Thanks, guys. Don't think Von Miller is done. I think he's having a bit of a lull, but I don't think he's done. And really, in terms of blowing up run plays, I mean, he had a great game on he Sunday, he did. I thought. And I think the sacks are going to end up coming. Maybe you're not going to be talking about Von Miller pushing 16, 17, 18 sacks, but I think he can 
get into his 30s and even his mid-30s and be somebody who's still producing anywhere from 10 to 14 sacks a year. And those guys are really hard to find, as John Gruden might say. (laughs) Exactly. Shalango Bronco. Hey, guys. Flacco's comments might be controversial, but it felt so bad coming from him, standing in the podium like he is Brady or Rogers, calling the coaching staff out on not being aggressive. Well, here's a thought. How about if you convert more than 10% of third downs, Joe? Maybe then we can talk about being more aggressive. How about you show that you can drive the offense to score more than 13 points per game? Maybe we can get aggressive then. Remember last week when Fangio got aggressive the first few drives against Kansas City? Well, Joe, if you don't remember, watch the film. I can't be upset with Fangio trying to take down more seconds on that third and five. He knew what a crappy offense we had and tried to win with his D. And all you saw, that really happened. If Vaughn made that play, the game was a dub. In the end, I think it was better than we lost. Can't wait for Drew Sember. Much love. P.S. Did you find the O-line so much better with James playing? Any news on the injury? Uh, Looks like an aggravation of the previous knee injury. And was it better? Uh, He did all right. I don't think it was all that much better. Remember, you had that goal-to-go sequence where you had pressure pouring in from the left side. Of course, Garrett Bowles. Um, The fact that you had Jawan James would have given you the flexibility to put Elijah Wilkinson in at left tackle. Exactly. Jawan James being injured means you're stuck with Garrett Bowles unless you want to play Jake Rogers. And sometimes I'm like, okay, could Jake Rogers be any worse? By the way, you saw that uh, screen capture that Ryan Green of CBS4 had of Bowles on the sack by Justin. I was just going to bring up that sack. That was so pathetic. I mean, he just got bullied back into Flacco. He got, he got terrible. He got bulged over and then was also holding on yes. the play is on his rear as Justin Houston is just taking both he and Joe Flacco down. That was about as bad as it gets. So you're saying that Houston bulldozed him? <laughs> exactly. <Anyway. laughs> exactly. Next one coming in from the world of suck. The Denver Broncos are two and 14 in their last 16 games. Yikes. You know what's funny? A bunch of Broncos country knows there was a brutally missed holding call on Indy's left tackle that almost sacked by Vaughn that ended up going like 40 yards downfield to Hilton. That's three games this season that the Broncos have lost by two on a game-winning drive, aided by questionable officiating. It's the second one where the officiating clearly dropped the ball. What's funny to me is that Broncos fans are barely upset with the refs. We're beyond refs at this point. This team is just bad. Like... Very bad. Yeah. You know what? I said it after week two. I'll still say it. It's just not good enough to overcome questionable calls. And there were questionable calls that went both ways in that game. Right. So, yeah, it is what it is. If you're a good team, you have a margin for error. If you're a bad team, you don't. Yep, exactly. So, that, as they say, is that. Oh, Penny Lava. Hey, boys, I've been holding on to this comment for a while because it doesn't really pertain to football or the Broncos. But since we are all but eliminated from playoff contention, I figured now would be a good time to ask. I recently read that the Minnesota Vikings franchise purchased and are running a professional Call of Duty team. Professional gaming has been around for a long time, but to my knowledge, the Call of Duty League will be the first actual league where teams have home cities and travel to face other teams in their division. In other words, it will have a structure similar to actual professional sports in America. I think it's pretty cool the Vikings are taking a swing at this new market. Their presence legitimizes the home league, in my opinion. I was wondering what your thoughts on this were. We should be intrigued by a professional gaming circuit. It'd be pretty cool if the Broncos got a team. 
P.S. If they do, I call dibs on being the DMVR beat writer for that team. Mm-hmm. Sorry for the long mm-hmm. comment, but hey, at least we aren't talking about the Broncos' antiquated offense and their nonchalant attitudes. LOL. Much love. P.P.S. I like Mike Purcell a lot. Yeah. Honestly, I know some of y'all listening dig the video games on you know watching it. It seems to me. It's incredibly boring. I'm sorry. I just can't get into watching people play video games. Maybe this is a generational thing, but I look at that and it looks like paint drying to me. No interest whatsoever. Y'all want it, you know, people are into it. That's fine. Don't expect me to ever have any interest in it or comment in, on it because it just looks boring as hell. Yeah, my dad would occasionally watch me play video games on Sunday mornings or something, and I just always thought, boy, this seems absolutely miserable. I can't believe he's doing this. What a nice guy to, to just watch this. But there's a market out there for it. There are, there are millions of people that watch it. And Mace, I agree I with you. I don't get I, it. I, 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 I'm not afraid to admit. I do not get the notion of watching somebody else play video games. I mean, it's not like there's any athletic skill in, involved with it. It's just, I don't know. I, I I don't get it. So I can't really answer the question because I don't really know exactly what the, the Minnesota Vikings' role is. But you know what? Ooh, Benny Lava, just remind us when the Broncos buy a team and are big enough to cover them. And I think we'll let you be our beat writer for there it. There are some NBA teams that have gaming. Mm. And actually sell gear. I saw, like, there's Lakers gaming gear. Wow. Because there's a Lakers gaming team, for example. That's something else. That's something else. And do Benny Lava. I as well, like Mike Purcell as well. And Vic Fangio does. And as he reminds us often, he told John Elway when John said, should we sign him? He said, you might want to be careful. You might like him a lot. Next one coming in from Sir James Radio says, some non-Bronco stuff to take care of first. RK, what a great comeback win on the road, eh? Fight on. Mace. Leave Fever Pitch alone. Ugh, Jimmy Fallon. Ugh, terrible. <laughs> now on to our Broncos. There's This is no longer a world of suck. It's a universe of blow, huh. but there are some bright spots here. That sounds like a <laughs> phrase for some parties back in the early it 1980s. It certainly does. <laughs> Studio 54, that might have been the universe of blow. <laughs> Cortland Sutton is a damn man. Phil is so close to breaking one of these big runs. Reisner is a tough, tough man, and Janu is still my man crush Monday. Okay, that last one may have been a bit TMI, but watching how he plays the game the right way is so much fun. Last but not least, happy birthday, Steve Atwater. Absolutely, happy birthday, Lumba! <laughs> As Simon Fletcher would say. Thanks for the comment, Sir James. I'm just giving you some crap on the uh, Jimmy Fallon discussion. He actually tweeted with me um, about my hatred of Jimmy Fallon <laughs> and my absolute disdain of The Tonight Show. And like, how do people find him funny? I, again, I guess it's like gaming. There are some things I just don't get. I right. don't get the appeal of watching other people play video games. I don't get the appeal of Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I sound like an old guy here, don't I? <laughs> Mile High Hitman, if you had to start someone other than Flacco this week, who'd be the most interesting and or potentially beneficial C play? Allen, Cap, or Rippon? Oh, Hope wow. Elway knows 2-6 and six is time to hashtag end the lockout and activate the man. Well, look, yeah. Cap. <laughs> wow. Well, with Kaepernick, uh, you might actually be halfway decent. Yeah, you might win a game, which you definitely don't want to yeah. do right now. It's not um, under Drew Locke. I'm going Rippin in that scenario because he's the only one that has a long, a potential long-term future. Yeah, Brandon Allen, we could see him maybe sticking as a long-term backup, but 
Okay, I'll just say Brandon Allen. <laughs> what the hell? Next one coming in from Samuel B. Sue. Hey, guys, I haven't commented in a while. A late, late welcome to the family to Mace. I have been an Elway supporter for all the time he has been the GM, but now I can't defend what he's doing with Locke. I understand if they don't want to play him because he is not ready or behind this terrible offensive line, but why not bring him back to practice and start getting him ready? I think they should draft O-line with their first two or three picks. What made the 97 and 98 teams great was the fantastic offensive line with this line we have today, Locke would be getting killed. Also, it helps the running backs. I think the best thing to do for a young quarterback is to have a good running game and time in the pocket. Oh, well. I still have this family to keep me sane. So, saludos. Saludos from Mexico. Well, the thing with Locke, if he goes back there, I want to see them have game plans to take advantage of his mobility and his work in the shotgun and spread type offenses at Missouri. I think that would actually give him a shot, and I think it would help the offensive line along. They probably wouldn't have to hold their blocks as long. He'd be getting the ball out quick or making a decision to leave the pocket and take off quick. So I think it would sort of help the Broncos all around. I think Joe Flacco, with this offensive line, is just wrong for this team. Yep, I com- I completely agree. And Samuel B. Sue and all of you out there, you'll always have us here. And finally, Andrew Karachi. I'm beginning to think that Locke is a cardboard cutout. Is he ever going to play? Or next year, the Broncos trade for Eli Manning and we do this all over again. <laughs> I might microwave my head if that happens. <laughs> Please. I think, that, I think you microwaved our heads with, with that comment. Yeah. I'm going to say this. No Eli Manning. No Andy Dalton. Oh. oh. And I know people are talking about Tom Brady might be available. Why would Tom Brady come here to work <laughs> behind this sieve of an O-line? With a 3-12 and 12? Three and thirteen, four and twelve football team. Yeah, the other thing to consider with Tom Brady, he's probably going to command what thirty six million a year. Mm-hmm. Well, if you do that, then Napalm your budget to go help the offensive line. Yep, <laughs> wouldn't work. I, I look if if Brady leaves New England, my prediction is he's a Tennessee Titan. Oh, mm. Mike Vrabel, mm. old buddy of his. Mm. Better what? offensive line when they're on point. We've seen them struggle at times this year. And quarterback questions, they bench Marcus Mariota. Ryan Tannehill has done some good things, but if they could potentially get Tom Brady, you think they're going to renew their vows with Ryan Tannehill? Absolutely not. not. What if it comes down to Denver and Tennessee again for the services of a future Hall of Fame quarterback entering the the late part of their career? And this time, Tom goes the other way. Yeah, I think if if it comes down to those two, I think... This decision goes against the Broncos. <laughs> and Nashville is not a bad place to live from what I've heard. And it's a town that in terms of marketing, endorsements, all that, it's not as big as L.A., right. but there's a lot of mass media, commercial, entertainment presence in Nashville. He'd do just fine. wonder if Tom's got a country voice. You think he can... Uh, he could find one. He could fit in. I'm sure he could find one. And with that... Mace, let's go take our country voices to Broncos headquarters and find out everything we need to know today from Vic Fangio. So make sure you tune in to thednvr.com to find out everything about the Broncos today. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a fantastic Monday. We can't wait to ride this week out with you.
Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Anne and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me with my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver.
Mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.